0: What I want to talk about today is doing what the Word says. Doing what the Word says. A number of years ago, the American Society of Landscape Architects published a paper written by a student about researching in preparing a play area for children. And here's what it said. A simple study was conducted to discover the effects of a fence "...around a playground, and the consequent impact it would have on preschool children. Teachers were to take their class to a local playground in which there was no fence during their normal recess hour. The kids were to play as normal. The same group was was to be taken to a comparable playground in which there was a defined border designated by a fence." In the first scenario, the children remained huddled around their teacher, fearful of leaving out of her sight. The later scenario exhibited drastically different results, with the children feeling free to explore within the given boundaries. The overwhelming conclusion was that, with a given limitation, children felt safer to explore the playground. Without a fence, the children were not able to see a given boundary or limit and thus were more reluctant to leave the caregiver. With, the, with a boundary in this case, the fence, the children felt at ease to explore the space. They were able to separate from the caregiver and continue to develop in their sense of self while still recognizing they were, they were in a safe environment within the limits of the fence. I would propose to you this morning that the word of God is our fence and our boundaries. If you will, it is God's guide to how we should live. When we choose to use it, we live our lives within its boundaries. We will have the confidence and peace and certainly we will do that. Through our relationship with Jesus Christ. I thought that was a powerful example. Without boundaries. There is uncertainty. But with boundaries. There is an absolute. Setting. That we know that we can live. And live peacefully. And freely. Within. God's will and his plan. James chapter 1. Verse number 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. That includes me. Okay, let's say everyone. Everyone. Now let's say that includes me. me. Thank Thank you. Should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says everybody say do what it says How many of you want to be blessed in what you do? Amen. Four of you. How many of you want to be blessed in what you do? Amen. A little bit more. Verse 19 says, take note. Take note. What does take note mean? It means pay attention. Take notice. It'd be like sitting in a classroom and the teacher says, and I can remember this when I was in school, this would probably be a really important thing for you to know. And you're thinking, oh, the light bulb going off. This is going to be on a test. I remember that. Even though it's been decades ago. Don't laugh, Nick. It's been a quite a while for you too. Verse 19 said we should be quick to listen. Number one, quick to listen. Number two, slow to speak. And number three, slow to become angry. These three things are sometimes really tough to do. But when we don't do what the Word says, then we and we are slow to listen, meaning that we don't listen very well. How many of you have ever caught yourself not listening very well? I'm holding my hand up. Or you listen to part of it and you think, I got it. And you didn't hear the rest of it. Ask any person who's ever stopped for directions. And they think, yeah, 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 I got it. And then you get, you know, this was, folks, this was back in the days of GPS. And it's still an important thing whenever you get out in the middle of nowhere when your phone doesn't work. And you have to ask for physical directions. And there's no, there's nothing to guide you you don't have an atlas with you and you have to now go down here and turn left and you're thinking left, left okay, two lefts and the right and I got it and then you get out there and you're like what did he say? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I didn't listen very well slow to listen meaning that we, we don't listen very well we're quick to speak when we're quick to speak we're more likely to also become quick to being angry how many know that God just loves hotheads? well he does because he loves everybody but he doesn't like it for those actions to take place because the Word says that. Verse 21 talks about, it says, human anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. You see, our, our anger it brought on by failure to listen earnestly and letting our tongues spill out into our thoughts and emotions is contrary to the Scriptures. It causes human and ungodly anger to be on full display. That's what happens when we don't listen very well. Sometimes we get mad and we think, you know, well, and and there's a blame game that goes on. People like to blame other people. They never like to blame themselves. Well, I'm this way because, no, you're that way because you choose to be. You're that way because you choose to be. Oh, well, I was raised this way. Yeah, but you're not still being raised. You're making choices on your own right now. Well, you don't understand. No, maybe I don't, but God understands. It doesn't mean that we don't have leanings toward a certain way or toward a certain disposition. But what it means is this. It means that we have the ability to be changed by the Word of God. And that's what is essential. We must be changed by the Word of God. The only way that we can do that is to allow it to become a part of our heart and a part of our life. And to do what it says. In this state, we will not be able to live the righteous life or be in right standing with God, which is what He desires. In order for us to live a righteous life that God desires, there are two things that we must do. Number one, verse 21 tells us to get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Get rid of all moral filth. Everybody say all. All All moral filth. Well, what's moral filth? Anything that is not defined by the Word of God as something that we should do. Moral filth. You don't have to look very far to see moral filth. I'm reminded of a story that I heard uh, Stephen Hill preach. He preached a message. Uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord but some of you remember that he preached the Brownsville Revival. And then he went on years later to pastor a church down in near Fort Worth. And I was listening uh, or watching one of his messages online while he was pastoring the church and he... Uh, he was talking about the name of the message was give me some sugar. Basically, sugarcoat everything for me and just don't, don't really get to the meat of the word. Just kind of glaze over it a little bit so I know the basics, but don't get real deep because you know we don't want to offend anybody. He said there was a young man that began that began going to his church, and he came, he came up and he told him, He said, Pastor. He said, I went to the church down the road for three years and I never knew it was wrong to live with my girlfriend. Never knew. Because nobody ever preached about it. May I tell you that it's wrong to live with your girlfriend? Yeah. Hey, but. It's wrong to have sex outside of legal marriage between one man and one woman? Don't shout me down now because I'm preaching good. It's the truth. It's the truth. I was counseling a couple one one time. And uh, how many know that perception is reality for a lot of people? Perception is reality for a lot of people. And um, what does that mean, Pastor? It means that the Bible tells us that we have to live a careful life. Meaning that... If somebody else can perceive wrong in our life, we should be careful to make sure that what we're doing is absolutely lined up with the word of God. This couple, we were going through marital counseling and um, and they weren't living together. They were separate, but he went and he made it a habit of spending the night at their at her house. But he told me, he said, but we didn't sleep together. We were in separate rooms. And I had to let him know. I said, okay, so it's, it's, not, it's not the fact that you were doing wrong, but what was the fact is when people look at your life, then they assume and they get the idea. Therefore, what they're seeing is that you are. Because perception for people is reality. It was like a light bulb went off. That's true. Um, While I'm here, I might as well just dump the whole load. Casinos. I have no use to go inside of a casino. I don't plan to gamble. Well, pastor, you're going to meddling now. Perception is reality, and I've said this before, it's nothing new. When there is addictive behavior involved. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about casino. Are you worried about legally meeting the requirements of the Bible? And said, well, the, if the Bible doesn't say, then I get a pick. If you really are honest with yourself. And you say, well, if I really try my best to live close to Jesus and I really try to get his word in my heart, then he will lead me and guide me and I will make my decisions based upon what his thoughts are. And I would uh, venture to say that I don't think that God would say, now, when you get up today, I want you to head down to the casino. (laughs) See how much money you can win. Um, I don't think he would do that. Well maybe he would Let me tell you The reason that I would go into a casino Would be maybe If the Lord did speak to me Because there's somebody there That needs to be ministered to I'm not going there to entertain myself or entertain anybody else I'd go into a bar If the Lord said You need to go in that bar Because somebody's in there And you need to talk to him. I have no use or purpose to go in there. There's addictive behavior that goes on there. Well, Pastor, what difference does that make? Because I'm not going to partake. Well, why are you flirting with it if you're not going to partake of it? Why are you flirting around with sex if you're not going to partake in it? Why are you flirting around with these behaviors that are, yes, sex is addictive. Drugs are addictive. Gambling is addictive. Alcohol is addictive. All of these things are addictive. But I can control it. Why don't you try being controlled by the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word and not being controlled by your own limitations because your limitations, your thoughts are not your boundary? The Word of God is your fence, your boundary, if you will. I mentioned before that I had a friend that says, you know, and he's a Christian. And I'm not going to stand here and say, well, you know, of course, when I was a kid, they would just say, if you gamble, you're going straight to hell. They would say that. I've heard it said. I'm not going to stand here and say, if you do this, you're going to go right to hell. I'm not going to say that because I'm not the judge. God's the judge. But I do know this. Like a friend told me, he said, well, you know, a Christian man. And he says, I go to the casino and I look at it as entertainment. I take $20 and I go in and I spend $20 gambling. And when my $20 is gone, then I quit and I go home. He said, I would spend the same amount of of money if I went to a movie and that'd be okay. And he has made that an okay thing in his life. That's between him and God. I don't want to be in the position to say, "Well, you know, I'm gonna go down to the casino, casino and I'm gonna do this," and then somebody else sees me going to the casino and they say, "Well, a Pastor does it," and, I, and even if you're not a pastor, say, "Well, Les does it," so it must be okay. So I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go down and take my twenty dollars. What happens if this person doesn't stop at twenty dollars? What happens if he says, "I just, I just know I'm on the verge of the win." I just know it. And then before long, I was the reason why this person was introduced because I sanctioned it as being okay. Yeah. Well, you can sleep around and, and, and be okay, so it should be okay for me. What does the word of God say? Right. Yeah, sure. It's a boundary. Moral filth. You got it? Moral filth. And there's more things than that. It encompasses. this it, here, And it talks about it right here. As, as believers, we're all to set aside all the ungodly filth that permeates our corrupt society and it seeks to influence us and our families. This filth will defile our souls and it will blight our lives. Ephesians 4.22 says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off your old self. Everybody say old self. self. That means the way you lived when you were in sin before you knew Jesus Christ. You're not supposed to live that way anymore which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. As long as you have leanings toward your old self, those desires will haunt you, they will come back, and they will try to pull you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. that That's why that repentance means a breaking away from everything that was old because all things have become new. You have become new on the outside and now you have to make the decision. You have to man up or woman up and say... I am going to make a clean break. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm not just going to say, well, you know, I'll give up this and this and this. And the thing that you don't give up is the thing that will ensnare you. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, which means lying. Well, pastor, everybody lies. No, they don't. Not if you're living by the word of God. You don't. There's an old song, it was a record that I had whenever I was a kid. It was a Pinocchio storybook, and, and there used to be a song in that story. And I would sing that song, and it would say, If you can't say something nice, then shh, say nothing. Yeah. It'd be better to say nothing than to have a falsehood, yeah. have a lie. And speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are members of one body. Verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness. I don't know why I feel the need to just... This really isn't a specific focus of the message, but it is a scripture, but I feel like I need to stay here. Bitterness will keep you out of heaven. Bitterness will keep you out of heaven. Oh, pastor, what are you talking about? Because, listen, Jesus said this, if you don't forgive somebody else, then I will not forgive you. I can't forgive them. You just don't know what they did. No, I don't know what they did. But let me tell you this. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could forgive those who nailed Him to the cross, and He could forgive those as He was dying and being beaten, and He said, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, then I think we can find it somewhere to be able to forgive them. And we're not going to be able to find it within. We've only got to find it through Jesus Christ. You pray and you begin to pray for those people who have hurt you, who have offended you, who have wronged you, who have made your life a living hell. You begin to pray for them and talk to Jesus about it. Yeah, man. And then you'll find that there is a point where there's pity, maybe, that replaces the bitterness and the bitterness you give over to him. Yeah. I got to move on. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, which means a false report. That is, that is there to injure the reputation of somebody else along with every form of malice which is the desire to cause injury or distress to another people did you know there are people that, that thrive on malice they thrive on making somebody else's life miserable by bringing stuff up all the time that's what the word of God says we're not supposed to do that we, were, we were taught to put off everything that is even like that remotely Colossians 3.8 says, But now you must rid yourselves of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Second Peter 2.1 says, Therefore rid yourselves of all, everybody say all, all. malice and all, everybody say all. all, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Slander is like gossip. It's not just it says every kind not just a little bit you know it was humorous when I, when I was a kid that you know Hee Haw used to be on them. we used to watch it I think until it began to get a little more racy but then you know they would say they would sing this song well you know they would say well you know we, we only we only what we say about our neighbors is true yeah. it's not gossip if you just tell one person at a time no that's not true The Holy Scriptures are full of guidelines for how we as God's holy people should live. Therefore, we must not engage in any kind of impurity. Ephesians 5, 3 and 4 says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talking or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. After we rid, get rid of all the moral filth in order for us to live the righteous life that God desires, we must also, verse 21 tells us to number two, accept the word. Accept the word. This verse Says to accept the word planted in you. The word planted in verse twenty one is from the Greek word enfrutos, which implies that the word must become a very, a, a, a part of our very nature. The implanted word brings us to our final salvation. Romans one sixteen says, "I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes." 1 Corinthians 5.2 says, By this gospel you are saved. It's by the word of God that you are saved. Ephesians 1.13 says, you, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. It's not enough to get rid of all moral filth and to accept the word. We must do more than that. Verse 22 of our text says, that do not merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves. Verse 22 says, do not deceive ourselves. It's, if, we, if all we do is listen to the word, we do deceive ourselves. We must do what it says. Why is it important for us to do what it says? I'm glad you asked. Verse 23 and 24 says, It's like someone who looks at themselves and forgets. You see, mirrors were not as common in that culture as they are today. I know that probably every one of us in here, probably at some point in time, passes by or looks into a mirror each and every day because it's just a common thing. But that was not the case when this text was written. It's like someone who looks in the mirror and they turn away and then they forget what they look like and the next time they look in the mirror they're they're like shocked because well I don't remember that because they didn't look very closely we forget what it says it does not lodge in our hearts and it does not become a part of who we are verse 25 says whoever looks intently how many have ever looked intently in the mirror yeah. I have yeah. I have to If you don't look intently in the mirror and you go to shave, you might run into some difficulty. Whoever looks intently or pays close attention to the perfect law, the Holy Scriptures, that gives freedom. And continue to do this. Everybody says, and continue in it. If they do this, not forgetting what they have heard, they they do it, but they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed. If you continue doing what the Word says, you will be blessed. The implication is clear that if we do not do what the Word says, we won't be blessed. Why would God bless us if we're not going to live according to His Word? It would boggle the mind. Well, I... Somebody might just say, well, I'm blessed. No, you're not. not if, you're, if you're not living by the word of God, you're not blessed. That's right. You might think you are, but you're not. Do you want to be blessed? Do what the word says. Do you want to live in freedom? Do what the word says. John 14 and 15 said, Jesus said this. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. We will show our love for the Lord by doing what the word says. It's a must for the life of a Christian. I want to read two more verses in James chapter one, James one hundred twenty six, one twenty seven. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless their religion is there is worthless keeping a tight rein on your tongue what does that mean pastor it means that we have two ears and one mouth and sometimes it's hard to not say stuff especially when you see things i tell you what i know that there i know for sure for a fact that there are people that if they if they said what they thought, some of them could be in jail. If words were weapons, some people would be dead. But we have a mind for a reason. We have something in us when we have Jesus. That goes above and beyond what we're supposed to do in our natural state of thinking. Verse 27 goes on to say religion that our God that our that God our Father accepts as pure and flawless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We can consider ourselves to be a good Christian. But if we allow ourselves to speak out and do things that do not conform to the fruit of the Spirit, which is Galatians 5, and 23, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. Self-control is really a biggie. It's really hard sometimes to, to say, you know, I'm just going to restrain myself. Self control, that's a fruit of the Spirit, works together. If we allow hate or sorrow or turbulence or chaos or impatience or annoyance or irritation, these are opposites of the fruit of the Spirit. Disbelief and doubt, roughness and self gratification, then we are deceiving ourselves then our Christianity, the Scripture tells us, is worthless. It says religion, but you can substitute the word in Christianity. Your walk with Christ is really of no effect in your life or anybody else's. It's really not a walk at all. It is worthless to the Lord if these are not on display in your life. In order for the fruit of the Spirit to be on display, we must do what the Word says. Not just hear it or listen to it, but it must be on display. It must be active and alive inside of us. And verse 27 told us that that God accepts our lives, our religion, our, our Christianity is pure and faultless. To look after widows and orphans, which means practically reach out and help others that are in need in their distress and, and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I understand why some churches many years ago, and there are a few still today, They make up a list of behaviors that they think are against the word of God and they're right. They are against the word of God, but they make a list up and it involves a whole lot of different things. Some of the things that make the list aren't necessarily good or bad, but it can be in a bad way. In the Assemblies of God, I remember when I was a kid, ministers were not allowed to own a television. In the 70s, ministers were not allowed to own a television. Now the television programming of 40 years ago was a lot different than the programming of television today on the three and a half channels that we actually had to watch. Um. I remember that. And it wasn't that the invention of TV was bad, but it was there was the opportunity for bad to come through that venue. And I understood Why? And there are some people that yet today. Now what we refer to when churches come up with a list of behaviors and things that people should not do. Today we call it legalism. Because they say, well, these are the things that we're we're not going to dance. We're not going to go to these kind of events and we're not going to do that. And we're not going to associate with these kind of people. We're not, you know, they, they go and they mean well. But what happens on the other side is there is a pendulum that has swung so far the other direction that while some of those activities might not have been bad in and of themselves, the potential was there, and now some people say, well... Since I don't have that list of activities or actually today what they say is if you tell me I'm not going to be able to do something, I just won't go to church. I just won't go to your church. We really don't need a list to tell us what's right and what's wrong. What we need is the word of God and we've got that. The challenge is getting people to follow and live by the word of God. And not introduce their own ideas and say, well, I'm going to think that this activity is okay. I can remember there was a time when Annette and I were dating and we used to go out to movies when we dated. And uh, I remember I took a hiatus from going to movies because this was back in in the 80s. Because I paid money to go in and sit and listen to vulgarity and obscenity. And hear F words coming out and I'm thinking, I don't use this kind of language. I don't have it in my home. Why would I pay my money to listen to this trash? That was in the days before the internet. Now we go to movies Not very many of them But we go But I usually research them before I go Because if there's something in there That I think you know It's got swear words in it and all that kind of stuff I'm not going to go Well I can just overlook that Well if you can do that that's between you and God I just choose not to listen to it I don't want to It bothers me There's a difference between personal convictions and and really saying, you know, this is what the Bible says. I have personal convictions that are probably different than other people. You probably have personal convictions that are different from me. But what really it amounts to is when we get close enough to the Lord and we get deep enough in his word then he changes our appetites for things that are more godly and spiritual and in tune with his word than things that the world produces and the world offers. And so you think those things, you know, they really don't matter to me anymore because my focus should be this. Just about to close this message out. How can someone look at our life and determine that we're doing what the word says is the fruit of the spirit on display? Are we involved in actions like reaching out to those in distress that need the hand of the Lord extended into their lives? And are we keeping ourselves from being polluted by the world? Doing what the word says is a must for everyone who follows Jesus Christ. You've got an opportunity this coming Saturday. It's the first Saturday of the month, John 316. And if you've not served before, I want you to get with Pastor Bill. He'll, he'll get you hooked up. It's a powerful time to be able to minister to those that are in need. And they, they do it in a, a safe way. And um, it's a powerful ministry. It's a powerful ministry do what the word says let's pray Father I thank you for your word I thank you for how powerful it is in each one of our lives how the potential for the depth of your word growing inside of us will blossom forth into great things for your kingdom I believe God that you have designed us according to your word and according to your words jesus that you said that when when we abide or we dwell in you we've made you a part of our lives and the word of god lives inside of us active and alive that it comes forth and we have the ability to come to you for anything that we need and we thank you for that word today may it become alive and powerful So that we can live in harmony with you. And so that we can reach others that need your touch. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Perhaps this morning you're here and you need a touch from the Lord. I know that he's here. When we know what the word of God says. We know that we can trust him. We know that we can trust him. If you haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, all you have to do is believe with your heart and confess that Jesus is Lord and the Bible says you will be saved. Turn away from everything old and embrace everything new in the newness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Involve yourself in the word of God. Pray. Get in the word of God. Fellowship with other believers. (laughs) Amen. That's critical and important. And if you are new at rededicating your heart and life to the Lord, and or you've made a recommitment to Him, we have a free resource that we'd like to get into your hands. It's a book called Rescued, and it gives you foundational things that you need to do to stay strong in your relationship with the Lord. And it's a powerful resource. Amen.